Ephesians chapter 2, and I'll read for us from uh, verse 11 through to verse 22. Let's hear God's word. Therefore, remember that at one time, you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ, for he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh uh, the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace to you who are far off and peace to those who are near. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then, You are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. As we come now to God's word, uh, will you bow with me in prayer? Let's pray. Our Father God, we thank you for the musicians who've worked so hard this weekend, the choir and the instrumentalists. We thank you for all those who've got the property ready and uh, did the um, outside work with the different trees and flowers and things like that, Lord, and thank you for those who've uh, baked the cinnamon rolls and got the coffee. A lot of work goes into this, uh, a weekend like this, and we, uh, we do pray, Lord, that um, as we come now to your word, you will grant us the grace to be able to concentrate, uh, remove distractions from this moment as we're in this packed uh, building. could be many things that will distract us. Uh, We pray, Lord, that you would uh, give us clarity uh, of mind and freedom in your spirit. And uh, we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So I was thinking through how to introduce uh, this uh, passage this morning. I was reminded of Taylor Swift. Uh, Taylor Swift released what I found out was the uh, greatest, biggest number of downloads on the music streaming platform Spotify ever in October 2022. And it was the song, some, some of you with white hair won't know it, but the younger people will, called Anti-Hero or maybe Anti-Hero. And uh, in it, there's a particularly catchy chorus which struck me me as profoundly theologically insightful. (laughs) Wait for it. She says this, um, and 
if I get the words not entirely right, you'll, you'll have to forgive me if you're 16, and if you're 50, you'll be grateful that I can quote Jonathan Edwards better than Taylor Swift. <laughs> um, but basically, she says, it's me. Hi, I'm the problem. It's me. At tea time, I have no idea why she talks about tea time. Though when I watched the YouTube video of it, they weren't drinking tea. I can tell you that. But anyway. Um, everybody agrees. It's me. Hi, I'm the problem. I can stare directly at the sun, but not look in the mirror. Did you hear my narcissism disguising itself as altruism? Fascinating Extremely insightful, Taylor Swift. The biggest issue we're dealing with today in our culture, in our churches, in our society, in our families, in our schools is a fundamental lack of realization that as Taylor Swift sang, it's me. I'm the problem. And the Apostle Paul, as he applies the truth of Good Friday and Easter Sunday in the passage we're looking at uh, this morning, is applying it at a social level, at a horizontal level. It is massively important that we do so. He's writing, as we've seen, uh, to encourage uh, the Christians in this network of churches by God's heavenly power. When we think of God's heavenly power, we tend to think of simply an individual experience. No, 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 says the Apostle Paul. I'm talking about something not only vertical, my individual experience with Jesus, me and my God and my Bible. I'm talking about something social, communal, horizontal. He himself is our peace. Peace uh, being the Apostle Paul's, of course, thinking of the, the biblical word shalom, not just absence of war, but wholeness, communal flourishing, unity, peace. He himself is our peace, he's, he's explaining. He does it in three ways. First of all, he diagnoses the true issue, which is alienation from God and therefore from one another. Then he describes how that peace comes about, and then he preaches the way to further that in the home of the local church. Alienation first, then peace, then home. So first, alienation, uh, verses 11 and 12. He says this, therefore, so this is a consequence of the vertical union we have with Jesus that we looked at on Good Friday, now comes the horizontal, therefore, Remember that at one time, you Gentiles in the flesh, he's talking about all nations uh, from a Pharisaic uh, uh, Jewish point of view. There were Jews and then there were Gentiles, all the other nations. He's talking about all nations. Therefore, at one time, you who were the nations in the flesh called, note that word called that's repeated. I'll explain why in a moment. Called the uncircumcision by what is the circumcision which is made in the flesh by hands. Now, in the verses 11 and 12, he's talking about the alienation that we experience. He describes, uh, remember that one time you were separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth, strangers, no hope without God. But he begins by describing the verbal way these groups, the nations, talked about each other. And actually, 
The translation uncircumcision is a, how should we put it, polite way of putting it. He is recording almost certainly the ways that the Gentiles and the Jews talked about each other to dismiss each other with verbal, verbally aggressive name calling. We see a lot of that today, don't we, on Twitter, social media, dismissing one another by labeling them, giving them a name. Same was true in the ancient world. But the real cause of alienation is, deep, uh, is deeper than that. There's a spiral. It's like a spiraling of five circles as, as it sort of goes down the drain. You, you've got, remember that first, you were separated from Christ, so you weren't part of the Messiah. Second, you were alienated from the commonwealth of Israel. You weren't part of the citizenship of the social religious group of God's people. You were strangers to the covenants uh, of promise, that is, you, you were not receiving the promised fulfillment of, of the covenants of the Old Testament, which the Apostle Paul knew were all pointing towards a fulfillment, a promised fulfillment in Christ. You were strangers to that. Therefore, you had no hope. There was no hope of resurrection because you were alienated from Christ and alienated from his commonwealth. And so there's, there's no hope for the future. And fundamentally and foundationally, you're without God. So says the Apostle Paul, you want to understand what is truly going on in our world today. I'll tell you the reason why we experience so much social division is because we are alienated from God. The reason why our countries, our societies, our churches are at war with each other is because they are fundamentally at war with God. That is the real issue. The name-calling, the verbal aggressive communication on social media and in politics and in society, all the divisive, dismissive language is merely a symptom of a root cause as he spirals down and down and down fundamentally without God. That's the issue. Our alienation is a symptom of an alienation from God. And the greatest philosophers of our day have, have entirely missed this. Le Monde, the French magazine, Le Monde, the world, uh, said that the, the greatest uh, piece of literature written in the last hundred years was a book called uh, the, the Stranger by Albert Camus. And The Stranger, you may have read it at school perhaps, it's a well-known text, describes how a particular French man called Mousseau kills an unnamed Arab. And the reason why I think Le Monde described it as the, as the greatest piece of literature in the last hundred years is because it describes the alienation of our world, the divisive dismissiveness whereby a privileged colonial Frenchman can kill an unnamed Arab and it's nothing. It's nothing. It's nothing. And he, he explores this dynamic in, in profound and fascinating, interesting ways. But nonetheless, he utterly misses the root issue. The only way we're going to love other people is if we, if we fall in love with God. The reason why we are divided from one another is because we're separated from God. Our only possible point of union across all socioeconomic classes, across all races, and of course races right here, the Gentiles and the Jews, across all ethnic groups, across all languages and alienation. And here I am, I'm, a, I'm actually a legal alien in America, you'd be glad to know, so I'm an alien. 
Our only point of union must be God himself. So we're alienated because we're alienated from God. And then the peace he describes in verses 13 to 18. Now if you scan down your eyes there, and I think you probably picked it out as we're reading it out. It is is one... Well, when it is one long, confusing sentence. Um, Amor Tolls, in his book, A Gentleman in Moscow, once uh, in that book described how he was reading a piece of literature which he said very much tongue-in-cheek, had great intimacy with the comma, but had no familiarity with a full stop. And you, you feel like that when you read the Apostle Paul, don't you? Or C.S. Lewis loved the Apostle Paul's writing. He, he at one point said, I love everything that the Apostle Paul wrote. I just wish he'd learned how to write. <laughs> it seems really confusing, and scholars have banged their head against it for generations trying to figure out exactly what the structure of it. The, I, the answer, I think, my opinion is that he's, he's passionately describing how God is our peace in Jesus Christ and he's, he's describing it verbally and so what you need to look at is he's dictating almost certainly. What you need to look at is the way he repeats rather than the actual structure. So for instance, there's a repetition of peace. Uh, verse 14, for he himself is our peace. Uh, verse uh, 15, so making peace. Verse 17, preach peace to the, you are far off and peace to those who are near. So obviously peace is at the heart of it. The other thing that's helpful to know is the Apostle Paul is almost certainly uh, explaining, expositing. Uh, we always do expositional preaching here at College Church. The Apostle Paul is almost certainly expositing a text from the Old Testament, Isaiah 57, verse 19, and its context, where the prophet preaches peace, peace to those who are far and those who are near. And the Apostle Paul is picking up on that and explaining how that's fulfilled in Jesus. So you get peace to those who are, who are far, verse 13, who, who Christ Jesus, who, who are far off, have been brought near by the blood of Christ, so far and near. And then verse 17, he preaches peace to you who are far off and peace to those who are near. He's explaining, expositing Isaiah 57. But the real key to unlocking it is this, in the meat and the sandwich, uh, is this word hostility in verse 14. The dividing war of hostility, and uh, then he talks about how Jesus uh, in, uh, in verse 16, has killed the hostility through his, his, his body through, through the cross. His death has killed the hostility. What the Apostle Paul is saying is, we're divided from each other because we're divided from God. We're alienated from each other because we're alienated from God. God, therefore, is the solution. God has made a way to deal with this enmity, this hostility that is expressed. Uh, people, when they're at war with each other, will use whatever tools they have at hand to fuel the hostility. And the Jewish Gentile wars were using the privileges, he talks about it, the dividing wall, or literally the, the middle wall of the fence, uh, and referring to all the ceremonial and various elements of the, uh, of the Old Testament uh, rituals, and then the, the law of commandments expressed in ordinances. Even, even God's law can be used to divide if there's hostility. What's fueling it is hostile, hostility. You use even good things to create division if you're alienated from God. But here comes the answer, peace, 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 peace to those who are far off out there in the um, far side area on the, on the TV screen. 
and those who are near on the front row within spitting distance. Those who are far off morally and done drugs or drinks, a drink and slept around and think, what on earth am I doing here at College Church? Those who are near morally, I've been a good person. I've always grown up in the church. Uh, my father was a Christian leader, and here I am, but I feel distant from God, far off and near. Peace, 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 peace. How? Through the blood of Jesus. This is a a risky application, but I think an important one. The way we are going to find unity as a society, as a culture, as churches, is not through a rainbow coalition of multicolors, but through the red blood of Jesus. He is our peace. He killed the hostility. We are divided from each other when we minimize the cross of Jesus. When he fills our vision, Einstein said, uh, there's no hope for peace in this world but for the creation of a new person. Well, the Lord has created one new man out of the two, abolished the dividing walls of hostility, the enmity, the anger, the alienation, through the blood of Jesus. You're saying there must be blood. I have been wounded by the church. I've been hurt by the church. I've been hurt by a Christian leader. I'm angry. There must be blood. And God says there is blood. He has shed his blood. The price is paid. You say, Does it really matter what was done to me? And God says, it matters that much. My own son was crucified on the cross for you. And the hostility is abolished. And there's peace. 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 Peace, says the Apostle Paul. Four times over. Hostility gone. Blood shed. The price paid. And now there's a new people, united together through the atoning work of Christ on the cross and his blood. The red blood of Jesus. And you say, well, okay, that's all very well, preacher, but what does it mean in practice? Well, here's what it means in practice, verses 19 to 20. So we've had alienation, the root cause of our alienation from each other is alienation from God. Peace that comes through the blood of Jesus four times over repeated peace and then verses 19 to 22 the home of course he's talking about the church the home where it's worked out in practice so then he says you are no longer strangers and aliens you're not you're not estranged from God's people Jesus has paid the blood you're no longer a stranger and alien doesn't matter what someone else said about you. It matters what God said about you. I died for you. You're not a stranger and an alien. I gave my blood for you. You are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens. Picking up the word commonwealth, it's a play on, on the term commonwealth earlier in the, in, in the, uh, in, in the passage. It's this, uh, you, fell, you, you were alienated from the citizenship of Israel. You're now citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Built on the foundation, the apostles and prophets, uh, 
Uh, there's a lot being a long conversation about what he means by the apostles and prophets here. I think he, and we'll look at this more later in, in our series in Ephesians, but I think he means the apostles who are prophets. Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. Again, he's expositing another Old Testament passage where the cornerstone, uh, the foundation stone of the structure of God's house is now, he says, Jesus, in whom the whole structure, again, all this building, home language, being joined together grows into a holy temple of the Lord in whom you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. So how does this happen? It happens, it's worked out in practice in the local church. That's how it happens. And the local church is a place where the gospel is preached and so brings people uh, together. He's uh, playing off the, the with language that we saw on Friday night uh, of uh, our vertical union with Jesus. Chapter 2 verses uh, 5 and 6, he's made us alive together with Christ We've been raised with Christ. We've been seated with him in the heavenly places, these heavenly realms, the heavenly power of God. We've been raised vertically. We've we've been spiritually made alive. We're positionally raised. We're positionally seated. Our triumph is certain because he has won that victory. That is a vertical reconciliation with God. But now, says the Apostle Paul, there's a horizontal application of that and he uses again three times over with language in in, in the Greek in the original language you are fellow citizens with the saints because you've been uh, raised with him you're now with his people Uh, you're joined together you're with joined and uh, verse 22 in him you're also being built together so the gospel proclamation When we raise Jesus, he draws all men to himself. When we look at him, we realize what we have in common. Him. And everything else diminishes into relative insignificance. Him. In him, we have our peace. And that happens through the dynamism, not only of the preaching of the gospel, but through the power of God's Spirit. We're being, we are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. The work of the Spirit, the intangible person of God by His Spirit who is here present, touching hearts and lives and minds, joining us together with Jesus and then joining us together with His people. He Himself Uh, is our peace. Alienated from one another because alienated from God. Peace through the blood of Jesus, four times over uh, repeated peace. And then worked out in practice in the home through, or the home of the church through the proclamation of the gospel and the power of the spirit that we experience uh, together. In 2018, John and Stella Chan had a dramatic life reversal. They lived in South Beach, South Beach, California, and had for many years run a popular donut shop. Stella Chan had a brain aneurysm, and uh, their life was in crisis. Her husband needed to keep running the business to pay the bills, but he needed to care for his wife. What was he going to do? The whole community rallied around them, And for the sake of 
John and Stella Chan and Stella Chan with the, the brain aneurysm, what they did is they made sure that every day, very early in the morning, the uh, community went to the donut shop and bought all the donuts for the day so that John Chan could shut up shop having got the business going and then go and spend time with his wife. I've never been to South Beach, California. I hear it's great in December, so if you want to invite me to preach there, I'm up for it. (laughs) But I guarantee you, that community was never so united as when they focused on that person. Here we are, we're a group of people from many different backgrounds and different experiences and we live in a society that we are all aware of is fragmenting. Alienated. And on this Easter Sunday, the blood of Jesus and the risen power of Jesus calls us together. calls us to the home of the church. What is the hope for the future of our society? It's the local church, says the Apostle Paul. You're being built together. Jews and Gentiles, all nations, every socioeconomic group, We don't even think about the name-calling. We're now one in him. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you for uh, this opportunity to gather together this Easter Sunday, 2023. It's fun to see uh, friends and family and to be with friends and family on this special day. We pray your blessing upon the rest of it as we go home to have uh, Easter brunch and see other family. And we pray, Lord, that you would write um, deep into our hearts and minds that our peace Uh, comes from you. You yourself are our peace. The blood of Jesus, the power of the risen Christ by his spirit. And help us, Lord, to work that out in practice through the gospel, by the spirit, in the home of the church. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.